0: Great Easter celebration, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Corinthians that if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead, our faith is futile and the price of our sins wouldn't have been paid, which obviously means we have no hope for now and eternity. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And in that, we have victory. I hope you had a great time last Sunday morning as we celebrated here. I want to thank those of you who may have, from this service, came to the 8 o'clock. So thank you for doing that very, very much. It couldn't have been more perfect last Sunday morning. We literally had almost 500 in the first one and about 8 or 9, I think, 9 in the second and eight or 7 or 8 in the third, so it, it evened itself out. Thank you for doing that, especially for those of you who got up early to do that last Sunday morning. For those of you who then moved in, so are you back in your original seats this morning? <laughs> are you? All right. But thank you for doing that. Uh, we really appreciate that. We really could accommodate everybody smoothly and easily. Had dozens and dozens of volunteers, so uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very, very much for doing that. Some people said, at least one person said, I spoke too fast last Sunday morning. Did you notice? You didn't notice? All right. Well, I appreciate that. I had a number of people tell me that, and I get excited, and if you would have been to third service, I was so excited I got it done in three minutes. (laughs) Well, it was close to that anyhow, but I, I got really ramped up last Sunday morning, as you can tell. It was just a great opportunity to be there. But if you didn't get it, I, I actually can email the script to you. So let us know. And especially at that end, it was from a friend of mine who got it from another pastor, and I put it together in another format. So uh, if you want it, we can get it to you. But thank you so much for your kind attention last Sunday morning. Have you ever had a near-death or an incredibly traumatic experience that you know, change you in some way or the other. Now I'm not talking about, you know, getting the flu like us men do and think we're going to die. Is that right? Is it true for all ladies? I mean, ladies, do you tell me. Do we really act like that when we get sick? We do. That is, all of you agree. That's it. I mean, really, seriously, no matter what we have, we're going to die. I mean, you ladies can be pregnant for 22 months and cook meals all the time, and and deliver after 87 hours, and we expect you to do something the very next day, and cooking and cleaning and all that stuff, and we whine when we get a hangnail. It just amazes me, and so I know you ladies know that, that when we get sick, we're not really good at handling that, and I'm overwhelmed at how great you ladies are in all of that. Had a lady last Sunday morning who was here in one of the services, I think near the beginning, she said, I have to sit near the end. I said, that's fine, honey. She said, I'm eight days overdue. (laughs) You sit right in the end. Matter of fact, you sit near the back. And she delivered an 8-pound, 15-ounce baby uh, just two days ago. And, And she said, my husband almost didn't make it after two days of labor. And I'm just dying by that. So I'm not talking about, for us guys, those near death experiences i mean those really traumatic times in your life when you really did think this is a moment in time that probably has shaped my life forever those times in life where you either had a second chance or a, a, a real traumatic experience in life that can have a significant impact on your life a lot of people at those moments really begin to reevaluate their life they Make some adjustments about what's really important. Can you imagine what it was like? I, it's very difficult to put yourself in anybody else's place. But can you imagine what it was like to live through Good Friday and Easter as a disciple? I mean, You have to believe that shaped and changed your life forever. To watch what you watch, to have heard what you have heard to experience, to really live it out, to see the Son of God die on the cross, what you didn't expect, to see Him rise again, which I doubt if they honestly believed, to wonder if they would ever survive the experience themselves, to wonder what was going to happen to them. I can't even fathom what was going through their minds on that particular weekend. And then all of a sudden, after all of these predictions and this incredible journey to the cross, and then in the tomb, and then he rises from the dead, and he shows himself on a number of occasions. Most of the scripture says at least 13 different occasions, Jesus revealed himself. I've often wondered if one of the things that was running through the disciples' mind is okay, what's next? I mean, after all we've seen, after all we've experienced, After everything Jesus had predicted, after everything that he had promised, literally came true, what on earth is next? What do we do now? Where do we go from here? What is the next challenge? Well, interestingly enough, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts give an answer to that question as Jesus gives them some incredibly important next-step instructions that have become the marching orders for Christianity down through the ages for the last 2,000 years. And the command is this. Go. Watch this.
1: Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
2: Bring my salvation to the ends of the earth.
1: Fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord.
2: Make known among the nations what he has done.
1: Proclaim his salvation day after day.
2: Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. How can they believe in the one they have not
1: heard? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation.
0: what do we do next, lingered in their mind. If where do we go from here was one of the things that walked through their processes as they began to think about where they were and where they were going, Jesus had a very clear answer for that. It's go. It's changed the world. It's take this life-changing, life-transforming message that has changed your life to the ends of the earth. In Matthew 28, he takes the 11 to Galilee, to the mountains where He told them to go. When he saw them, they worshipped him. He came to them and said, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. I'm with you to the end of age. In Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke chapter 24, preach his name in all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You're my witnesses of these things. I'll be with you to the end. I will send you what my Father has promised. This morning I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1 for a moment. We're going to walk through the next step. The now what in the journey of the disciples of Jesus and the ministry of the family of God down through the ages. Acts chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. Very familiar passage. I'm going to share with you this morning just the first eight verses. You have sermon notes in your bulletin this morning. If you want to take those out, and walk you through what we're discussing. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered them around him, and many asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the days that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For the last 2,000 years, this has been one of the foundational texts that the church has used to continue to carry out the message of Jesus that he began in the Gospels. The former book that he refers to here is the book of Luke. Theophilus is unknown. The name itself means a friend of God. Some say it's an individual. Some say it's somewhat of high authority. Others say it's the code name for the people who were friends of God. For whatever reason, he chooses to start out that way. And then he goes on. In that former book, Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now the obvious assumption to me is this book, Acts, is gonna describe what happens next. The story didn't just finish with Jesus, it continues. The words to do, you ought to underline those, the words to do didn't refer to his activities As much as it did the miraculous. I don't believe the words to do when Luke refers to that had as much to do with his activities as it did the miraculous. The confirmation of the ministry of Jesus, the confirmation of the disciples' ministry, and the confirmation of the messengers and ministers of Christ down through the ages were signs and wonders. The miraculous intervention of God. I am absolutely convinced of that. The validation of the message and the messengers down through the ages has been miraculous intervention of God, not just activity. You want to know how to choose a church? Yesterday morning we had 25, 20-some people gather in a room, and we talked about this church. It was membership class, and one of the questions we ask is, why us? Out of the 40, 50 churches in town, there are a number of choices, some great choices we believe were a really good choice But why us? There were a number of fascinating answers all the way around the room, and a lot of them different, a lot of similarities. If indeed you're trying to choose a church, I want to give you a clue. If you're trying to choose a church or a messenger from God, the question you want to ask yourself is, do we see the evidences of God's activity in that place or with that person and not just human activity? A lot of churches and a lot of ministries are busy places with multiple activities. What you and I need to ask ourselves, are there evidences of the miraculous taking place? Are lives being transformed? Is it evident that God is there? Fascinating yesterday to hear some answers to that question. Is healing taking place? Are people being changed? Are things going on that only God could do? I am convinced, I'm honestly (laughs) evaluating even us in our ministries, I am convinced that that is so true, that the evidences of God ministering in a place and the evidences of God's hand on a place, a church, or the messenger of God is not busy activity. Our bulletin is full of activities. They're great activities and great ministries. But what you and I ought to look for, what I ought to look for, what we ought to make sure of is that we're not just doing activities for activity's sake, but is it evident that God is in this place, that the miraculous is taking place, that God still is working today, that lives are being changed, that lives are taking place, that God is ministering to people, that healing is taking place, that God is there, that it's evident that if he doesn't show up, I don't want to be a part of what's going on. That ought to be the measuring rod. And I am convinced that when Luke is saying this, what Jesus began to do was not a lot of activities or running around all over Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. It was a miraculous intervention of God. And what you ought to look for and what you ought to pray for in this church or any church or any messenger of God, is it evident that God is in his place and God is working through this place or through the individual, even if it's me standing in his pulpit. That Jesus began to do infers it continues. What Jesus began to do it infers it continues. Now the word what Jesus began to do and to teach is obvious. His word, the teachings of Jesus, the lifestyle he calls us to. I think it's in your sermon notes. But if you want to get a glimpse of that lifestyle that he's calling us to and what he taught, you ought to read Matthew 5 to 7 again and begin to understand again what Jesus is calling us to and the lifestyle he's calling us to live. In verses 4, 5, and 8, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. John baptized with water a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That verse is also a, a larger expansion of what Luke has said in his own chapter when he wrote it again Luke chapter 24. Just as Jesus was the promise and fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, so the Holy Spirit is the promise and fulfillment of the New Testament prophecy of power to accomplish all that we were challenged to do. Do you get the significance of that? All through history, all through recorded history in the Old Testament, they kept saying over and over and over again, the promised Messiah is going to come. And they continued to look for that day when the fulfillment took place. And then all of a sudden, the true, genuine Messiah showed up. And it was obvious that God's hand was all over him. Only two times did you hear the voice of God during his ministry, this is my son, listen to him clearly. In him I am well pleased. The Spirit of God landed on him, and then he went out and did his ministry for those three years. He was the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise that the Messiah was going to come. When Jesus was here, at the end of his ministry and during his ministry, especially in those last few moments before the cross, he continued to remind them there was another promise coming. Just as I was the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise of a coming Messiah, there is another promise coming, and it is the power of the Holy Spirit who will land on you and radically transform your life. And you do not want to go out and continue this ministry without that power. So many churches talk about one or the other. Either God the Father, or many of them concentrate on God the Son, or many concentrate on the Holy Spirit and not God the Father, God the Son, but I find so often we ignore this concept or at least kind of skim over the power of the Holy Spirit. It is as significant, it is part of the Trinity. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, is absolutely critical to our understanding of what spirituality is all about. And it cannot be ignored. And as significant as the promise of the coming Messiah is, so is the significance of the coming of the Holy Spirit. To land and minister and give us the power to carry out the challenges He gives us. And what challenge is that? It's in verse 8. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We cannot fulfill what God has asked us to do without the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit. It can't be something we just talk about in charismatic or Pentecostal circles. You cannot live the Christian life He's called us to, and we cannot carry out the commands that He called us to without a full understanding of the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. These passages, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, are not just for the disciples. It comes to all of us who claim to know Christ. And it's not Acts is not simply the Acts of the Apostles. It is better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles But you and I need to understand that it doesn't stop with them. It involves all of us. The Bible is not just a history book. It is the living, breathing Word of God. And the same challenge that Jesus gave to the disciples is the same challenge that is carried down through time for 2,000 years to every single one of us sitting in the sound of my voice this morning who claim to know Jesus Christ as Savior. The same challenge that he gave to them until the task is completed and Christ returns, that job of reaching this world with a life-giving, life-changing message of the gospel of Christ belongs to every single one of us who claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The same power available to those disciples that he promised them in Matthew, Luke, and Acts is available to all of us. The story did not stop. When the last line of Acts was written, it continues today all over the world. You and I, and one of the things I reminded them yesterday if you decide to join Community Alliance Church, you and I are a part of something amazing that's been going on around this globe for 125 years, as we joined for the last 2,000 years with those who've been doing it since Christ left. We are a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. I love being a part of this denomination. I know I'm biased because I've been a part of it for the last 40 years. I know I'm biased because I've been ordained in it for the last 35 years. I get that, but I'm telling you, I am delighted to say that we are a part of what God is doing around the globe in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. How many of you noticed the flags out when you walked in the lobby every Sunday when you walk in? Six of you. How many of it took it four weeks at least to notice that they'd been there that long? There are a lot of people that after a week or two or four or five or seven weeks going, those always been there. Those flags represent what the Christian Missionary Alliance is doing around the globe. are not every flag of every nation around the globe. They are flags representing the places that the Alliance is ministering to right now today around this globe. As you walk down that hall and begin to look up, you see what God is doing, not only in Community Alliance Church, not only in Butler County, you see what God is doing through us and through our ministries around the globe. One of the core values of the Christian Missionary Alliance is that lost, that lost people matter to God. Christ is the only way to heaven. We're absolutely convinced of that. And those without Jesus, as I said a few weeks ago, are lost. And those lost people matter to God, and He wants them found. That has been the driving force behind this movement that we call the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You and I sit here this morning having followed and been a part of an incredibly rich heritage and an amazing rich history. Watch just a segment of that.
2: For the past 125 years, Alliance people have been asking, Lord, where would you have us go? What would you have us do? Each time, he has been faithful to direct our steps. In 1884, he led us to the Congo. Today, there are 2 million Alliance Christians in sub-Saharan Africa. We enter China, which continues to bear lasting fruit. Then Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, and his church continues to grow in the Middle East. Then he called us to Argentina, Chile, Ecuador, in which the Alliance churches are now sending their own missionaries. In the Philippines, there are 3,000 Alliance churches, new ones being planted weekly. In Vietnam, over 1 million Alliance Christians are now worshiping their Savior. We continue to seek God for guidance, and he has been true to his word to grant it. He is raising and equipping a global alliance to reach beyond its borders. Most recently, God has been pointing the way to North Africa and North and Central Asia, considered by many to be the last unreached frontiers for the gospel. God is preparing His church for the return of His Son. He is relentless in His pursuit of lost people, and He is not willing that any should perish. We are privileged that He has invited us to join Him in this task, Be involved. Be devoted. Be light.
0: I don't know about you, but I love to know that I'm a part of something that God is doing around the globe. I'm thrilled to be able to have a church that makes a difference in its community. I'm thrilled to know that people's lives are really being changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. And that lives have been changed here. I'm thrilled to talk about things that we are able to do in our community. But I'm honestly charged up about what God is doing around the world. I am thrilled to be a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. I'm thrilled to be a pastor in the Christian Missionary Alliance. I'm excited to see what God is doing around this globe. For 125 years, we've been taking this life-transforming gospel to the ends of the earth. And people's lives are being changed. 3,000 churches in Philippines. Do you know there's only 2,000 CNMA churches in the United States? A little over 2,005 churches, I think, in the United States. 3,000 in the country of Philippines. Somewhere between 300,000 and 400,000 alliance members sitting in churches like this in the United States. Over a million in Vietnam. Over a million in Indonesia. Over a million in Cambodia. Isn't it amazing to be a part of what God is doing around the globe? You and I are a part of that. We really believe that the responsibility of winning this lost world did not end when Acts ended. I don't believe that the gifts available to the Holy Spirit and available to the church of Jesus Christ ended at the end of the book of Acts. I don't believe the context, the power, and the challenge ended when Acts died or when the last chapter of Acts was written. It continues down through the ages. That responsibility that Jesus gave to them was not exclusive to those 11 guys who were on that mountain that day. It was to every single one of us who know Christ as Lord and Savior to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. That responsibility lies in all of our hands. And I'm convinced in your sermon notes that your beliefs will always determine your behavior. If you believe that, that's the question. If you believe that, that people without Christ are lost and that God wants them found, And the challenge to reach people with the gospel of Christ is given to all of us who claim to know Christ. If you believe that, it will determine your behavior. I'm convinced that your beliefs, your belief system determines how you live your life. I'm convinced that believing that, your sermon notes, will change you. It will change you. It will change how you look at the world. It will change how you look at your neighbor. It will change how you look at your coworker. It will change how you see your family. If you believe that people without Christ are lost, and that's, you have to determine whether you believe that, and it's true, but you have to decide if you believe that. If you believe that people without Christ are lost, and we have the responsibility of taking the gospel to them or presenting it to them in a way they understand it, and I really believe that it will change how you look at your family, it will change how you look at your work. It will change it how you look at your neighborhood. It will change it how you look at your coworkers. A lot of us had family celebrations last week. And many of you, I'm sure, know exactly where your family stands in their relationship with God. And I'm sure some of you have questions about that. The question always is, what am I doing personally about that? Your coworkers, your neighborhood, If we really believe that people without Christ are lost, it will cause me to want to share my faith. Secondly, believing that will cost you. It will not only change you, it will cost you. It will cost you time in wanting to share your faith. It will will help you understand how to value my time in those, those moments when you know God's opened up an opportunity. That, that I want to take time to do that. I want to take time to share with my neighbor, my coworker, my family member what I found in Jesus. How he's changed my life. It may cost you money. On your offering envelopes, the ones that you have in your pew or the ones that you have in your uh, box that you get at home that we mail to you. If you don't have them, we'd be happy to do that. There's a category called the Great Commission Fund. This church gives almost 20% of its income to the Great Commission Fund, which is awesome. Somewhere between three and $400,000 a year is given to this great commission fund that the Alliance has established for the last 125 years that supports our ministries and missionaries around the globe. If you really believe that people without Christ are lost, it not only changes how you view your own surroundings, but at times it will change what you do with your resources. And whether or not I decide, I want to invest in that. I want to invest in something that really pays off. How's your CD doing, by the way? Your bank account, you know, 1.9 or 0.33 interest. I mean, just not a lot of return in that. Incredible amount of return in this. Just even in the stats that I gave you a moment ago. If you really believe that people without Christ are lost, and it's my responsibility and our responsibility to do everything we can, it may affect, number three, your career. Or the career choices that you're helping your children make. January, February, March, April is that time when your seniors are trying to decide, where do we go next? What do I do next? What do I do with my life? Where am I going to go to college? I hope you as a parent, believing that that you are responsible to help shape them, can encourage them to decide, what are you going to do with your life? What significance is your life going to make? What career choice will you make? And for some of you, it may be to say, serving Christ in the kingdom of God in ministry as a missionary around the globe. It will also affect your own career and where you believe God has placed you. As opposed to thinking, man, I'm just there for the paycheck. Lord, get me to the end of the week. Put my 40, 50 hours, 90 hours in, and I'm done. If you really believe that, that God has strategically placed you in in where he wants you to be in that career choice and that decision, it will affect how you look at your job and where he has placed you. You you will have the opportunity to minister to people that I never will. Specifically because of where God's placed you in your work environment or in your career choice. Believing all that will affect, number four, your priorities. It will affect your priorities. You may want to reevaluate what's really important in life and what we really want to do. It will affect your understanding of your purpose on this earth. I heard a preacher a long time ago who said the greatest day in your life is when you were born. And one of the second greatest days in your life is when, you find, is when you find out why you were born. Part of the reason that you are here and that I am here is to share the truth of Jesus. To find my purpose in life sometimes is defined by where I'm at where God places me and how I use the gifts that he has given me For the glory of God. It will affect, number six, how you pray. It will affect how you pray. How you pray for your kids, how you pray for your neighbors, how you pray for your co workers, how you pray for your family, how you pray for missionaries, how you pray for the world. This denomination was started by Albert Benjamin Simpson, who was found on a regular basis literally weeping over the globe, knowing that people without Jesus were lost to do whatever he possibly could to find them and to rescue them. And this denomination began to spring up out of that, which is now why we're larger overseas than we are in the United States. It will change the way you pray. If you really believe that Christ is the only answer to those who are lost without him, and the people in the book of Acts were called to be a part of this, and that call continues to walk down through time to you and I, it will change how you look at life. For the last 2,000 years, we've been talking about fulfilling the Great Commission. In the 21st century, we're talking about completing it. And that's a significant difference. In 1908 million people in Africa claimed to be Christians. 2001, 351 million. The number of evangelical believers went from 1.6 million in 1980 in Africa to 116 million hundred years ago, there were 200,000 evangelical Christians in Latin America. Today, over 55 million living south of the U.S. border. In Asia, the Christian community has grown from less than 4 million in 1900 to 193 million in 2000. There are almost as many evangelical Christians in Asia as in all of North and South America combined. You get that? What God is doing around the globe Today, it's possible that over ninety-five percent of all the people in the world hear the gospel of Jesus Christ over the radio in language they can understand. The Jesus film has been translated into eight hundred and thirty languages, has been screened in every country on earth by over five billion people. Worldwide, more than seventeen thousand five hundred churches in the United States or in this world are a part of the Alliance Family in almost seventy countries. Our total constituency of the CNMA has increased by 326% in just the last two decades alone. You and I have an opportunity to be the generation that sees the gospel go over all the world and Christ return. You and I could be a part of that responsibility of completing, not just fulfilling or continuing, but completing the Great Commission. In These next few weeks, we're going to celebrate what God is doing around the globe. Next Sunday morning, Evan and Joel Evans are going to be here, missionaries for over the last 20 years in Africa, and serving the God in Dakar Academy. Going to be here for lunch. There's a sign-up sheet out there on brunch or breakfast next Saturday morning at 9 to 10.30. Anybody who wants to come and spend some time with them and listen to their heartbeat and their passion is invited to that, so let us know. Going to share Sunday morning. Going to share Sunday night in a youth group. Going to share in Sunday school to our kids. Going to share in some small groups. We have an opportunity to find out what God is doing around the globe. We have chosen to partner with a few missionaries and a few nations around the globe, and Senegal and the dark regions that were talked about a moment ago in that video clip. 21st, you're going to hear from the Dominican Republic and what God is doing there and what we have been able to do and what we've seen God do. For ladies, there's a missions retreat coming up, May 17th and 18th, looks like this out in that brochure is talked about in your yellow insert this morning. You're going to hear from some of the greatest missionaries that CNMA has. It's here in our church. You don't have to go anywhere else. It's here in our church. God is doing some amazing things that you and I are a part of. I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. And they are thrilled. they are missionaries in our denomination with what God has called us to do. The question we have to ask ourselves is, will we continue? until the job is done.
1: Listen to this. 2012 has proven to be another encouraging year of ministry for the Alliance. Thanks to your prayers and financial support, new churches have been planted in the US and throughout the world. New workers have been trained and equipped for ministry. Fruitful partnerships have been established with other National Alliance churches around the globe more workers have been sent into some of the world's least reached areas and scores of new believers celebrated their first christmases ever as redeemed christ followers as world events have unfolded over the past year i'm again reminded that whenever and wherever needs arise alliance people are always available ready to roll up their sleeves and lend a helping hand with god's empowerment Alliance workers are providing clean water and medical care for people without these life-giving resources. They are restoring broken marriages in Jesus' name. They are bringing hope and a future to people with little access to the liberating truth of the Gospel. We couldn't have done this without you. You have prayed faithfully and given sacrificially. You have broadened the reach of Alliance Ministries and helped ensure that Alliance people will continue to be there in times of great physical and spiritual need. As Matthew 6, 21 tells us, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's clear by your church's giving in 2012 that you place your treasure in the things closest to God's heart. You have played a pivotal role in reaching His lost ones in your community and throughout the world. So on behalf of your Alliance workers and churches and all those we serve, Thank you for praying and giving. Thank you for going and sending. And most of all, thank you for honoring and glorifying the one who called you out of the darkness and into his glorious light. May you experience his deepest riches throughout this new year and as you continue to follow his heart. Thank you.
0: I'm excited to be a part of that. I hope you are too. If you believe everything that Scripture teaches and everything I've said this morning, it will change how you live your life, where your priorities are, what we do with our resources, what we do with our time, and whether or not we share the life-changing gospel of Christ that has changed your life and mine with those here and around the globe. Father, I thank you for what you have done for what you've called us to and for the privilege of being a part of the family of God. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being a part of the CNMA family. We're not exclusive. There are some great ministries and great churches around the globe that are doing a phenomenal work, some incredible denominations that are changing the world. I'm so delighted that we can be a part of this one that really is about doing your business, that really is about taking this gospel to the ends of the earth. The Father, in these weeks together and... As, a, as we even reflect on what we've shared this morning as we begin to explore your word. Talk to us individually and personally about what our response is to that and what it is that you're calling us to do. Thank you again for changing us, for rising from the dead and setting us free, for giving us life and hope and eternity and all the promises that come from your word. Thank you for giving us the privilege of being able to take that to those around us, those around the globe who don't know what we found in Christ to see their lives changed as well. In the powerful, precious name of Jesus, we pray.